0: Let's get it going right here, right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all-new New New Generation Declassified here, exclusively on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week, we take a journey back in time. We go back and look at the finer days of the World Wrestling Federation's new generation era, the mid-'90s. Some might call it the dark days. Some might call it the glory days. But we'll figure out what the uh, the guest thinks today. As I'm joined by from the Shining Wizards podcast, my longtime close personal friend, Mr. Kevin, joining me today. Kevin, I mean, we connected after what three, four months.
1: Yeah, man, it's uh it's been a while. I, I believe we did the front row material, uh, roundtable podcasting roundtable, and yes, that was yes, and that was awesome. Uh, with some other great talented podcast hosts, and now we're we're back doing something uh, together, and I couldn't be more excited about it. Well, that's very cool to, uh,
0: to to hear. Yeah, we did a podcast symposium with uh, Front Row Material, uh, the great Mike Freeland, quite possibly the nicest person in podcasting. <laughs> if he's bestowed any kind of uh, merit or any kind of uh, distinction, it's to be the nicest guy in podcasting, uh, which is very rare. But we tend to lean on that side, too. So we'll go with
1: that. <laughs> uh, couldn't Couldn't agree more. The guy doesn't seem like he has a bad bone in his body. So there's that.
0: Yeah, no, he's a good dude. He's been on the show a couple of times. He, uh, he's got a great take on things and this show, you know, whether, you know, you've listened to it, uh, religiously, like I know you probably have or not. So for the, or not, I'll give you a review of what we usually do on the program. Uh, what we do is, is we sit here from the fan perspective of we were fans. Then we are fans. Now, does this stuff hold up? Is it better? Is it worse? Is the critical response to the new generation era accurate or just because we were growing up during that time? Is it just as awesome as we remember? So uh, that's what we're going to get into today. Are you ready for that?
1: I am, man. This is a there's a (laughs) lot to unpack in uh, in the new generation. So I'm excited to see where this goes, man. So let's start with the uh, first things first,
0: and that is, what were you doing during this era? Where were you at in terms of being a fan? Now, obviously, you're a Northeast guy like myself. We lived on the WWF. That was our home base. That was our home territory. So we uh, we we definitely digested a lot of what the WWF had to offer. Uh, but where were you at as a fan in the mid-90s?
1: All right. So mid-90s, if you want to say, I guess, the new generation kind of unofficially rolled out in maybe 1993. Yep if you want to say that. So I was 10 years old. So the uh, deep into wrestling fandom, deep into WWF, but now just at the age where you can actually start comprehending what you're seeing. Right. So, you know, obviously my favorite era is 90 is 90, 89, 91, uh, that sort of thing. But this is just where you get to the point where you can actually understand what you're seeing and and dissect characters and appreciate characters or not appreciate characters. So I was right in that meaty part of your childhood fandom.
0: And that's perfect. Cause that's, yeah, that's exactly the way I look at it too, is, uh, you know, even though I fall, I fell in love with the Hogan era, Hogan, Piper, Savage warrior, Mr. Perfect ravishing Rick rude, you know, everybody from that era, Bundy stud, Andre, You love those guys. This was the era for our age group to like really get entrenched. So we read the magazines. We saw all the stories. We watched all the Coliseum videos. We religiously sat to the TV every single Mm -hmm. Saturday and Sunday for for our wrestling consumption. But we were just starting to kind of get what was going on. And this era, which is much uh, maligned as not a successful era, was really the one where we were like, this is the greatest thing going. What are you talking about? (laughs)
1: Yeah, it, it, it was such a weird time because everything became different, like everything that you thought you knew about wrestling, like changed, like all the characters, the, the the pageantry, while it was always there to an extent, completely changed the colors, the sets, the pyro, the just the type of characters that you saw, good, bad or indifferent, completely, the rule book was thrown out and you were getting a little bit of absolutely everything.
0: So what was your uh, what was your go-to during this era? Who was your uh, your new generation guy?
1: All right. So if we're going directly from the like the 93, 94, obviously it's, it's, it's Brett. Um, Brett, I mean, he's been around since the 80s, but just this new world champion main event, super fancy leather jacket, sunglasses, uh, world champion Brett. Brett was my guy, um, and he still is to this day. So, um, yeah, I gotta go. If my, if I have to pick one, it's, it's Brett Hart all the way.
0: Yeah. I tend to agree. And, and kind of the same exact, uh, sentiment, you know, Brett was there. He was an established guy to us already was already a tag champion, you know, winning matches and he's the intercontinental champion, but now as like the leader, it was, uh, it was understandable. You could get behind it. Uh, but what we talk about on this show is we dropped the new generation era. We break it down into the top five guys, Ooh, brett sean diesel undertaker razor ramon okay would you feel that that's an appropriate five to represent this era
1: all right so we said brett sean razor diesel taker yes i would say yes i think they define the new generation but if you want to like get into the weeds about it like i feel like you gotta have you gotta have yokozuna somewhere in there okay Uh, um but i think i think just when you picture the new generation, you picture you picture those five guys uh, 100%.
0: Yeah, you picture those five guys. Obviously, Lex Luger, not on that list, too. So it wasn't everybody. We can't take everybody into that top five, but those are the five guys that when you think of, hey, this era, all right, that's the, uh, the yeah. those are basically the leaders in the clubhouse. Uh, but, you know, a guy like Shawn Michaels, another guy that, I, and you're from New Jersey, correct? Yes, sir. You would know during that era sean michaels albeit a baby face was not very liked in the uh, the new york metro area he got booed out of a lot of buildings so i look at it from the yes brett was there during that heyday but so was sean michaels but why was brett loved so much over
1: sean i guess it's because no one liked the arrogance that that sean michaels protruded and in, in in our area in new york and new jersey like like if you, if you like walked around like that with like chaps and and stuff, like you were like, like the tough guys would, would want to hurt you. Like it's yeah. just the way it was. And I, I feel like that's why, and plus a lot, and p- part of it's got to be jealousy too. Like uh, he was the guy that all your girl like you're bringing your girl to see a wrestling show, but they're there to see Shawn Michaels. So yeah. it's gotta be a little bit of that, at least off the top of my head. That's, that's what I can guess in terms of being booed out of the building. But man, I remember going to shows at the Meadowlands like consistently uh, throughout th- this era, and I, just because like I was a Brett guy, but I never hated Shawn Michaels, right? Possibly because possibly because I think a part of me always appreciated the Rockers. Still, so I don't think that ever went away.
0: Okay, can't if you if That, that make sense.
1: It does. Yeah. It does.
0: No, the Rockers were great. And we also we would see the other rocker, Marty Janetti pop in and out during the new generation era. Talked about him on last week's show. Uh, but yes, I've talked about it many times. The Northeast was not kind to Shawn Michaels, uh, albeit he was popular. He was over. He was intercontinental and world champ during this era and tag champ during this era. But oh, when yeah. he got the top spot, and this is why I wanted to ask you this, because you are a Jersey guy like myself. I mean, you couldn't walk around with those red sunglasses and the the, the gloves and the the Shawn Michael yeah. Bieber hat and think that you weren't gonna get a pounding. Not because it's uh you know, wussy. It just wasn't cool. It was very light. No.
1: No, it like the like the leather motorcycle hat, like yes. or whatever. Like you can you can't wear that to school. <laughs>
0: like our, you, you risky, you're, a pink Bret Hart shirt and glasses over the Bre- uh, the Shawn Michaels zebra, uh, uh, what do you call uh, you know village people hat? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. You're you're not getting away with wearing a heart sung like, uh, no pun intended to Bret Hart, but uh, Shawn Michaels had the heart shaped sunglasses. At least Bret Hart sunglasses, you might be able to get away with because they were either silver or like pink and metallic. Shawn Michaels were legit red hearts, uh, yeah, as lenses. So, yeah, you're not you're not walking into fifth grade dodgeball not getting pounded.
0: <laughs> you could. You'd be a great target if you had the uh, the Shawn Michaels glasses on. You they, they look like they could be sold at Claire's in the mall. You know, you go to, like, the Claire's store to get your ears pierced and you see the Shawn Michaels glasses. And, and it's so funny. Not,
1: not, like, two years later, I'm walking around and, like, because I guess, like, kind of, like, corduroy and hippie stuff in the grunge era was, like, right after this. So, like, now, like, you're walking around with, like, shaded sunglasses like Shawn michaels had but again just not heart-shaped
0: ridiculous (laughs) it's so ridiculous looking back uh but i was thinking about for this week you know last week i talked about the top moments of the uh the new generation era um just trying to think i always like to think outside the box we stick to a topic or we look kind of run down a, a card or something but I kind of got stuck on one thing in my head and it was debuts during this era. And I, I posed that to you. You had a couple great ideas, but the thing about the debut that I kind of want to clarify is I don't mean it's just like, you know, uh, Oh, it's, uh, you know, so-and-so's WWF debut. It's like, no, did when they arrived, was their arrival impactful and did it have like a long lasting, tenure to it you know was it like hey yeah we remember when uh uh, uh what's <laughs> um uh what's Jean-Pierre Lafitte he debuted was <laughs> Pierre a year and a half ago I don't mean that one you know I don't mean somebody like uh rebranded I mean like they arrived in the WWF and their impact was such that it had an absolutely long-lasting life in in not just right. the WWF world but the wrestling world so I'm going to ask you to dig back into the annals of your brain for this one as we kind of look at some of the new generation debuts
1: all right so one immediately comes to mind and that is gold dust that's a great one yes what
0: do you remember about the gold dust debut so now gold dust debut has the vignette starting to run towards the end of the summer 95 into the fall i believe he makes his debut at the october in your house against bam bam bigelow i want to say or yeah, more Mar- Mar- it- your bam bam i don't have it in front of me
1: I think it's Janetti. I Damn
0: think Ginnetti. it's Janetti. Damn Janetti gets the shaft again. But what do you remember about Goldust in the Goldust debut?
1: I remember being confused. <laughs> like, cause like, and it and it's so weird. Cause like, I don't know, like if it was just, I was so diehard. I'm like, this guy looks familiar to me. Like he, look he like, he doesn't, but he does. And then like, you know, after a while you see, you know what, like, what is he? Is he a, is he just a, supposed to be a, a human Oscar award? Like what, like what is he yeah. supposed to be? And, and then like, you know, eventually you, fig- you figure out who he is and it's just, it, but it, it never mattered who he was prior. Right. It, that's how good this character was. Like once you figured it out, it didn't matter. And you, you figured it out and you moved on and you just lived with gold dust as gold dust. And I remember it being creepy, but I remember it having a lot of legs, um, pairing him obviously with with Mankind at some point was a was was bizarre but to me it worked a little bit of a stretch a little bit of a stretch but I didn't hate it because they're both weird dudes and and Mankind's another one you could throw on that memorable debut uh yeah. type list we'll come back to him we don't want to yeah. give we don't
0: want to take anything away from Goldust so I'm going to cut you off because I remember when the the vignette started to air and and look I wasn't a dedicated observer or pro wrestling torch subscriber at the no. time no. I mean, did I call the, you know, the, the, not just the 900 hotlines, but, you know, some of those freebie 800 lines that would pop up? Yes. But I had somebody tell me that's Dustin Rhodes. And I was like, no, there's no way it is. And they go, Dusty Rhodes had a, a character, Stardust. And I was like, yeah, that's a great. But this is not Dustin Rhodes. I, I've seen Dustin Rhodes. I know what he looks like. Yeah. This is not him because. When he comes out, it's not the refined gold as character we know to, uh, to grow and love. It's a different one. He's a little heavier. Yeah. And the the like you said, the, the human Oscar come to life, he is fully draped in gold, complete. You can't see any bit of his hair. You can't see the back of his neck. He's fully covered in gold, and he didn't have definition to the makeup where yeah. you could say, oh, I, yeah, I could tell because, no, he was just like a, go- a golden man, like gold member from Austin Powers. And you couldn't tell it was Dustin Rhodes until he took the wig off. He took the jacket off and the paint started to wear down. And then you're like, oh, okay. I can see it was him. Were you surprised when you found out it was Dustin Rhodes?
1: Oh, 100% 100 I was surprised. I don't remember how I found out. I don't know if I put it together myself or if like you said I wasn't reading the Observer. I wasn't doing the torch. I wasn't calling the numbers. I don't remember how I found out, but I know I found out. And okay, like I said, I, I was shocked because this was not the natural that that I remembered. And no. it was it was completely different. So, so well done and so like so again, the narrative so new, like something that we've never seen before. Like, at least I haven't as a 10, 11 year old kid. Never seen such an an androgynous uh type Hollywood-esque fancy character before, completely re-shifted how you know, a, a wrestler was presented.
0: He, uh, so he debuts at, uh, my, uh, my personal, uh, favorite in your house. And I, I'm saying that facetiously because my, uh, my buddy, the Dean wins the intercontinental championship for about eight minutes on this show. But, uh, gold dust debuts at in your house. Number four in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, October 22nd, 1995, defeating Marty Ginetti with the curtain call after blocking the fist drop off the top rope from marty janetti so there you go you were right it was marty because bam bam was survivor series so a clever way to bring in a guy like Goldust, who's going to beat these established guys but bam bam was out the door Janetti <laughs> yeah. still there so i kind of wonder why they beat him so fast
1: yeah that that is that is weird. i guess it's probably just the whole like and again i, I know this is more of like a friendly like shoot the shoot the uh you know the stuff conversation but maybe just because the better match would have been with janetti right maybe yes very true um, so it, it that that's the like only thing I can think of. And plus like Janetti was, that was his job then, you know, and like you said, he was in and out a million times in this era. So it just kind of made sense to me.
0: And then how about this? The next night gold dust makes his, uh, well, technically the next night, it wouldn't air until the following week, the 30th, uh, night 95 gold dust defeats Savio Vega in eight minutes with an arm bar into a cradle, for his raw debut to get the win again, Savio Vega, guy with a lot of momentum in that point in
1: 95. Uh just
0: he gets beat by Goldust, second uh, second night in the company.
1: Yeah. And that just shows you what they had had planned for this guy. Like they they believed in it and they they went with it. So you gotta, you gotta respect that, man. Let's stay with Savio for a second. Savio
0: All Vega right. debuts this past summer in ninety five. He debuts around, I believe, May at the In Your House pay-per-view. It might have been the first in your house. Uh, and again, do we know him from somewhere? He looks a little bit familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. My mind was blown to find out <laughs> that he was Quang less than a year earlier with a face mask and the green mist. But Savio Vega had a pretty impactful debut because he had a really good spot as an undercard babyface for a good two to three years before they you know, turned him into a bariqua. But <laughs> he absolutely, I would put him in the memorable debut column for what this era represents.
1: 100% comes in. Uh, I believe he saves Razor Ramon from a beatdown from Jeff Jarrett and the yep. roadie. Yep. And so he's, he's billed as this fan, like Razor Ramon's friend from Cuba or something yeah. like yeah, that. It's
0: very dumb. Of course, some stupid logic by,
1: uh, by, by <laughs> uh, management, but yes. <laughs> but dude, that's talk about like, like you said, Quang, like uh, people, I don't think people re- realize how long Quang was a thing. Like, yeah, he was around for like a good year, a good year run, year and a half run and then um and then shows up like this and immediately paired with arguably one of the hottest stars of the new generation. He's on the he's on the top 5 of razor Ramon. That's a heck of a spot to be placed right into.
0: Yeah, so it's May 14th, 1995 in your house number 1 at the uh On Center in uh Syracuse, New York, a, a miraculous 7,000 people attending this uh in your house number 1. God. Uh at the conclusion of the match Razor Ramon is saved by his longtime friend Savio Vega. This is Savio Vega's debut. Nobody knew who he was. Once you saw and put together, it was Quang. You go, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah, same tights, same build, same look. No mask, no mist.
1: Yeah, you know what? I think it took me a lot longer to put the Savio Quang connection together than it did the Goldust Dustin Rhodes connection.
0: <laughs> you just found it. You just found it out five minutes ago. That's why. Yeah. I, li- I what? Wait, what? <laughs> Quang, are quang? you serious? What's,
1: a, what's a Quang? Oh my gosh,
0: yeah. Now, Savio Vega, great from the babyface side. And ironically, you know, in feuding with gold dust they would have a trade off about a year later a uh, televised uh, switcheroo of the Intercontinental title that would then be switched back without you know, referee uh, official decision. Uh, so kind of interesting. We would use those two guys to start. And again, didn't really rehearse this, didn't really go off. This is the, the nature of the show, you kind of just go off the top of your head and see what sticks uh um, because I wouldn't even have thought Savio Vega going into it but the more you put it together boom he's now on the list
1: <laughs> yeah and, and and Savio's like one of these guys who like you're surprised like other than that that IC title thing that you mentioned which I guess no one ever really counts he I'm shocked that he never won at least I can't think of he never won a championship there. Well, I mean, I don't know. I
0: don't think he even won the, you know, the million dollar championship, did he? Where they no. um, with Austin, you know, when they were they were banting that belt about. He did not, but I'll tell you at the Great Meadowlands, you know, uh, our home base for uh for matches in the 90s, I saw a great Savio Vega Gold Dust <laughs> Intercontinental title match and uh it, it had about the nearest of near falls you could have <laughs> where Everybody in that arena thought that he won the, the Intercontinental Championship and went nuts. And when they said it was a two, oh, my God, I think Goldust rolled them up like right after that.
1: <laughs> what, what what did you think of the gear that Savio wore? Just like jeans and like a cutoff shirt.
0: Yeah, it was, you know, it works. If he was yeah. just supposed to be, you know, like a, a guy who escaped from Cuba, you know, to help his buddy Razor Ramon. You know, I think it worked because it was it was different. You know, what was he gonna do? Come out in you know a singlet and uh, you know wrestling tights, yeah? Because Quang's attire didn't have the jeans, but it had a similar look to it. So you you know he's in like black jeans and that red, Salvio Vega cutoff. I don't know. I liked it. I thought it worked.
1: Yeah, and and the Quang gear literally had no looks. It seemed like it had no thought put into it whatsoever. (laughs) Singlet top and windbreaker pants, and and a mask. They found probably just in. Props, (laughs) (laughs) Props.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that was a bad one. That was like, you know, they had a couple from uh Mr. X laying around there yeah. like that's mm, fine. math now. Give that one to uh to Quang over there. But how about let's see, let's say too, Savio's still going. You yeah, know, man. Savio is not slow down. He's
1: he's worked in MLW over the last year. That's right. Yeah, he's been in some pretty high profile matches with MLW and I'm sure he still runs a lot of stuff in his home base in Puerto Rico or Cuba, right? No, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, but Cuba just because you know yeah but because cuba was cuba, he
0: was, was he gimmicked for, he was gimmicked from cuba right when he they well they said he was the caribbean when he debuted they weren't specific they just said the caribbean
1: okay so maybe i'm wrong about the whole cuba thing
0: no it was because razors from cuba he's supposed to be cuban okay, okay so no it was just a he was an unnamed unlike assigned <laughs> caribbean uh savior for <laughs> One Razor. remark <laughs>
1: Caribbean savior.
0: Yeah. I mean, what else can you say, right? <laughs> I, you're right. <laughs> That's what he was. He saved the day. He's a savior. Um, You mentioned before Mankind, okay? Mm-hmm. And then this is a great one because uh, I would consider this to be not the tail end of what I like to say the New Generation era, but like three quarters of the way through. But from when he had those first vignettes debut in, I believe, December 95, Uh, all the way to when he debuted around WrestleMania. Nobody knew what the hell to think of what it was. If you knew the ear and you knew the voice, you knew it was Cactus Jack, but we did not know what mankind was and what mankind had to offer. Uh, What are your memories of first seeing the mankind debut vignettes?
1: I had no idea what to expect. Like, like at least like with Goldust, you, you understood like, all right, Hollywood guy, you know, androgynous, this and that like mankind, like, tortured soul like mommy like all this weird stuff like i had no clue um about what this was supposed to be and i don't even think like i don't think we ever really found out <laughs> like right like yeah, that, mommy that
0: wasn't really explored much he he would call uh gold dust mommy that right. summer <laughs> and i think
1: sable too at one point right yeah Some-
0: yeah but i don't think the mommy thing and the the, the playing of the piano and then all that yeah. stuff i don't really think that was ever really explored
1: yeah. And that's funny because I, I know it's probably been mentioned on a million different other podcasts, but he was like the only guy that had a different music leaving than he did coming in.
0: Yes. Yes. So. correct. He had that very plotting and very mysterious entrance music. And then leaving was the uh piano playing that, you know, the mandible claw was really a, uh, a piece of the piano playing that they would kind of talk about in the vignettes, but yes why did he have two different musics but mm-hmm. then never really explore it afterwards it was just like oh yeah entrance and exit that's it
1: yeah it, and it's it's so strange that I, I mean at, at least that I don't remember it ever being explained but like it didn't again it like gold us it didn't matter because it it just worked like you put him right you put him right in to a feud with I think his first like one I know Undertaker came but I think Jake the Snake or Henry Godwin may have been his first like high profile thing. I know we had a couple matches with like Bob Holly. Cause he put like the mandible claw on somebody and Bob Holly tried to get him off or something like that. And it's just, uh, just crazy how, how quickly he, you know, elevated up the card.
0: Yeah. Well, he makes his debut. Um, uh, Jake was, uh, was attacked by mankind. It was the, the Monday night raw after WrestleMania 12. Uh, so it really wasn't, it was Mark Merrow who made the save, uh, oh, okay. on Jake, uh, you know, on paper, that would have worked as a kickoff feud for Mankind, but Mankind's TV debut is officially on that Raw as well. He attacks, uh, he, he beats Bob Holly with the mandible claw, but the Jake thing never really materialized where you would think on paper that really would be a catalyst for a huge run
1: for a yeah, guy like like I, Mankind. I think he was supposed to have a match against Jake the Snake Roberts, and ended up being Henry Godwin ended up having to take Jake the Snake's place for whatever reason. I can't remember but I'm um, pretty sure they were supposed to have a match at it in your house or or some sort of pay-per-view. Maybe it was King of the Ring. Um, but yeah, and then Henry Godwin ends up replacing it. So I would have loved this scene a one-on-one Mankind Jake, Jake Roberts match, even though this is like 95, 96 Jake Roberts. Yeah. Not, but still.
0: It had it, it must have been something with Raw because I'm looking, I'm just scanning through as we're talking. I'm not seeing uh, Jake Roberts and Ahmed Johnson take on Davey Boy Smith and Owen Hart at the next in your house. And then the following in your house is the May in your house with the blackout where uh, we would see mankind come out of the casket at the end yeah. of the undertaker of the match. And Jake Roberts pins Bradshaw with a roll up around the 32nd mark.
1: I think this might be, I think it might be the international incident pay-per-view
0: uh, okay all right that's fast forwarding yeah that's yeah it's, that's WF. going that's
1: going in that's going in the time machine hopping forward a little bit
0: yes yes absolutely uh but uh, but still we knew cactus jack we didn't know dude love we didn't know mankind we didn't know mick foley we right. knew cactus jack were you disappointed to not see cactus jack in the wwf
1: no i wasn't um i was never like i knew exactly who cactus jack believe it or not, i watched cactus jack more in like I think global wrestling than i did in uh, in wcw even though in, in like 94 95 his stuff with max Payne and kevin sullivan i really enjoyed um but but i think i i think i remember cactus jack from his days with like it was like him and scotty polo or johnny flamingo and and rip rogers as like some sort of tandem and in, in global and global championship wrestling yeah. or a global wrestling federation yes and so the, i remember him from that so i was never super invested in the cactus jack character not that there's anything wrong with it i listen he's one of the greatest characters of all time but it just i i, I wasn't i wasn't disappointed i don't think were you
0: it, i'm half and half only because i was watching him in ecw before he debuted as uh mankind and okay. i loved end of ecw cactus jack so I and as much as I did enjoy Cactus Jack earlier in, you know, 92-ish, I didn't really lo- I see I didn't really love the the Sullivan, Max Payne, Nasty Boy. Like, I didn't like any of that stuff. That wasn't like my wasn't a favorite era. I loved either like 91, 92 Cactus Jack or ECW Cactus Jack. So I was a little disappointed and I didn't really know what to think of just this weird character didn't really jump off the page uh to me so i I was a little underwhelmed i have to admit i mean great in retrospect but i was definitely uh i would rather have seen cactus jack get a wwf
1: run yeah totally totally fair and of course obviously later on we all know that he would have one hell of a run as cactus jack
0: oh absolutely i was there that night i was just talking about that to somebody at what at the rumble in 2000 no, 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 when no. He like, came, when he came
1: back as Cactus Jack.
0: When he came back in uh, 97 on Raw
1: at uh, at MSG. That was an MSG show? Because I was at I was at uh SummerSlam 97 when uh, when he ripped the shirt open. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was there for that, but he was mankind then.
0: Right. Now, the yeah. uh the, the the crazy um uh MSG Raw, uh September 97, actually my birthday, September 97. Quite possibly uh, one of my favorite, if not the favorite show I've ever been to, because it was just filled to the brink (laughs) with amazing (laughs) moments. Austin stuns McMahon. Uh, The dark match was a triple threat with uh, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and Bret Hart. That's the show where the Brooklyn Brawler wins the Battle Royal to to take on Shawn Michaels at the next pay-per-view, or next uh, garden house show. I mean, just like... It was filled with moments, but Cactus Jack's debut is the one that stands out the most. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great debut. I was, I
1: was thinking I was too young to still go to New York for for wrestling shows.
0: Oh, we went in with uh, you know, buddy's dad, his company had tickets. The, the, you, how come on? How many people went to wrestling shows the same way? Somebody's dad had tickets, you would go with him, and that's how yeah, you. Think,
1: you know what's so strict? You know, it's no, you're right. And like when I got into high school, I started. I just for some reason, I don't think I ever. Even pictured Madison Square Garden as a as a destination because I didn't realize how close I actually was to MSG. Like I never I, it never computed in my head. And my dad, wh- he, while he he appreciated wrestling, he wasn't a fan enough to go out of his way to say, "Hey, let's go to the Garden." Right. Like it would be like, "Hey, Dad, can we go to the Meadowlands?" And be like, "Yeah, no problem." Um, but the Garden never computed with me at that time. I would you know I went to a million shows at the Garden in my late teens and and uh in early 20s and since then my
0: dad hated wrestling i never went to wrestling <laughs> i don't <laughs> know why it was okay i had it on tv i was perfectly fine with that the tons of shows that they'd even run locally where we lived in jersey was it's very sad looking back a young uh young young chadster would have really uh, enjoyed some of the
1: uh <laughs> got the garden yeah
0: yeah yeah definitely would have enjoyed uh some of it without a doubt but I digress. Uh, I love the Meadowlands. I absolutely loved it. It was my favorite place to watch shows. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with the Meadowlands at, at, at any stretch. I would never say that. It's nothing wrong with Meadowlands.
1: Right. Absolutely not.
0: Uh, two more I want to cover before we wrap up because I know you uh, you got to get back to work. We have two things that we have. Uh, last week's top moment in the uh, the the countdown that I had. I polled people. The results were in. The top moment of the new generation era is the one, two, three kid defeats, uh, Razor mode. Would you agree with that?
1: Uh, I would 100% agree that that is definitely. And that, that one that won the poll that was, yeah,
0: I sent out just a random text messages to people and said, Hey, what do you think the top moments were of the new generation era? Some were, you know, came back ridiculous and whatever, but every person nearly had that on their, their return yeah. text to me
1: that that was one of those that, that you know what you're 100% right that cuz that was like oh my god like what did i just see like that like was the catalyst probably to the the new generation that that moment
0: anything can happen a job guy who we've only seen for a few weeks although if you knew who he was you yep. weren't surprised <laughs> you were kind of like why is he losing every week I mean, when he finally did get the win you knew that the lightning kid with the complete lightning kid tights Yep. Was somebody, but you know, when he beat Razor Ramon, I I was shy. Now, I covered it last week, so I don't want to beat it over the head. Uh, but were you a, a one, two, three kid fan during this era?
1: 100%. I remember him again from global as uh, as Lightning Kid. I remember him and I remember Kamikaze Kid, Cannonball Kid, yes, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, Kid, like, and then we'll get him a name, Kid, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I loved him. Yeah, he was
0: great. I was definitely, uh, I was all on board with, uh, with the one, two, three kid. Uh, so we went over that last week. So I'm not going to beat it to death. It's uh, it's May uh, 1993. He debuts uh, a couple weeks earlier. So that's uh, that was the other little thing. He debuts about three and a half weeks earlier, and he loses to Doink in his first match. Now, the match had to be done twice. Now, I don't know if that was because it was bad or because he was good. That's the thing I would love to figure out.
1: Ooh, that's a great question. No, idea, right.
0: I mean, you don't think Matt Bourne and, and, and Sean Waltman are going to have a bad match as it is, but maybe they had no expectations for it and saw, wait a second, this kid's got something.
1: Yeah. And at this point, you're still trying to get doink over. So you can't have this, this, you know, quote unquote job guy getting too much on, on doink, I guess. Right.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I would 100% agree. So, uh, yeah, go back, check that out. I want to just cover this last one before we, uh, we say goodbye. Cause this is one that you did not mention. And this was the catalyst for this episode. And this is why I'm curious to hear your take on it. So, this is what I, this is the debut to me that stands out the most as it relates to the new generation era. Okay. We're going to go back to July 25th, 1993. Okay. Alexandria Bay, New York at the Castle Recreation Center. Do you even know where that is?
1: <laughs> no, idea. not even not even going to try to guess.
0: <laughs> I'm sure way north. Let's just say that <laughs> it sounds okay. like it would be way north. Uh, way north uh, on that night. They taped a few episodes of Monday Night Raw as they normally would. Uh, this would be the lead into SummerSlam about a month away at this point uh, in this venue see you like the dramatic build oh
1: yeah
0: <laughs> on the august 2nd 1993 edition of raw that was taped that night jim Cornette makes his wwf debut in a segment where he just innocuously shows up in ring while uh, bobby heenan has to jump in and start interviewing him
1: oh do i remember you, this bobby heenan goes nuts when when jim Cornette's like do you know who that is yeah. do you know yeah.
0: yeah Cornette just appears at ringside bobby heenan pops up from his chair, goes into the ring, and you have in the middle of the ring in the WWF, probably the two top managers of the 1980s face-to-face in a WWF ring with the endorsement of a lifetime coming out of Bobby Heenan to Jim Cornette. What were your memories of Jim Cornette's arrival, and were you surprised to see him in the WWF?
1: It It was just that, like Bobby Heenan going absolutely bonkers just like, do you know who that man is? Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna try to do a Bobby Heenan imperson- impersonation, <laughs> but jumping in the ring and giving him a big hug. And now, is 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 Jim Cornette by himself here, or do the heavenly bodies pop up here too?
0: Jim Cornette is by himself at this point. Okay, so they're gonna start the build to bring in the heavenly bodies to, to take on the Steiners at SummerSlam. Um, he is not yet the spokesman for uh Yokozuna, and I mentioned right. that being just a few weeks out from SummerSlam because I mean, they're recording this July 25th SummerSlam. I think it's like August 23rd or 24th or something. So they're really knocking on the door uh, of um, this, uh, th- this huge event. But no, it's, he issues a challenge to the Steiner brothers on behalf of the heavenly bodies at this show.
1: Yeah. I, I, I loved it. I remember it now. Like it's, it's really triggering, triggering back like actual memories, not just like I watched it on the network memories, like actually watching it live memories, which was, which was incredible because, you know, you saw Jim Cornette dangerous. I know that was Paul Heyman, but I know you saw uh, Jim Cornette with, you know, Midnight Express and all that stuff. And just him showing up was just, oh, it was incredible. An unbelievable run would become
0: the American spokesman for Yokozuna would form camp Cornette with the bulldog, Owen Vader, uh, great, uh, a great roster of guys that he would manage along the way. Now, there's a couple stinkers. <laughs> yeah, He technically did be- manage Mantar. <laughs> so not oh everything. But still, when you think about the pantheon of WWF and the fact that they've basically all but forgotten Cornette, uh, this is something that you have to look at at the meeting of the two territories, the, the NWA, WCW, and the WWF. This was a guy who I legit never would have pictured. In the WWF, while he was in, you know, the NWA and WCW. Yeah,
1: I 100% agree. Totally did not fit the managerial. I mean, he, I mean, I guess he did, but like, just not. Not. It's, that... it's,
0: I don't want to take that word. Sorry to interrupt from him of saying he's too southern, but he just it's I just even though he's cartoony and he's got the pants yeah. and the suits and the racket, I just don't see him in the WWF. So right. for this, I think it's just such a big thing to have the endorsement of the guy who was the top manager in that company for 10 years to a guy like Jim Cornette, who would then, you know, obviously he'd have a great run in the WWF for the next six or seven years, a staple, uh, randomly in this 1,000-seat attending arena in Alexandria Bay, New York, at the Castle Recreation Center, <laughs> the legendary Jim Cornette, the Louisville Lip, debuts in the WWF. Oh, Perfect. So that's how we will uh, we will close it out. There's more. We could go on forever. We did not mention Lex Luger. You know, yeah. we did not mention uh, other guys. You know, even uh, you got Ahmed, give me a wrap. John, Ahmed, J-
1: uh, Ahmed Johnson, um, Mark Marrow, Mark Henry, Adam Baum. Um, Dean, Dug- Dean Douglas, Dean Douglas, of course, <laughs> Buddy Landell. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so there's a ton of them, right? Yeah, exactly. Buddy up replacing uh, Dean Douglas yeah. uh, uh, on one show. So yeah, there's a ton more. I would love to have you back if you want to talk about this or anything else again. Uh, I know we're, we we kind of got a, a time crunch because when we're recording this, but yeah. I uh, I really love going down memory lane and picking out, like I said, a couple I didn't even think of to start this off. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you did miss that on this show. This same Monday Night Raw, the Macho Midget also debuts. God, I remember that like it was yesterday too. <laughs> Unbelievable, freaky, the macho Midget. very weird. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> it was. It was. Way, it was way too lifelike. That. Yes, it
0: was. all right, Kevin but before we say goodbye, uh, please share with the uh, the listeners of New Generation Declassify where they can find you, uh, the Shining Wizards and uh, the your stand-up comedy and everything else that you got going on in your world.
1: Yeah, uh, the Shining Wizards uh, wrestling podcast at Wizards podcast across all social media platforms. I am at Kevin Garifo on Twitter at Shining Wizards Kevin on Instagram. Uh, we just had Mickey James on the show last night. so I'm very excited about that. I met your friend Francine over the weekend up in Baltimore, up very in nice. Boston for the, uh, major wrestling figure podcast. Um, so that did was, you, great. Tell her you know, me, I did. I meant, I did oh, name job. Nice. <laughs> I did name job. You she's, a, she's, a, she's a sweetheart. Yeah, That's um, great. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I told her I was going to be doing the show today. So yeah, it was, uh, it was great. Um, let's see. I just finished up a bunch of shows. So I'll constantly booking comedy, uh, once a hundred percent, uh, it, it's ready to do so. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I want to thank you, Chad, for having me on. It was so much fun.
0: Absolutely. Hey, bef- I just want to ask you one question about the comedy before we say goodbye. Did you do any virtual comedy shows while you everybody was locked down and none of the clubs <laughs> were open? No, I refused. Okay, because I, I <laughs> those things seem so awkward. <laughs> yeah, I, them. I can't imagine it.
1: Yeah, I get nervous enough, like being live, like just doing it in a completely new format. No, I would I would have died
0: because <laughs> you're like you're telling you just gotta like you know what if everybody's muted you know like by accident and you have this killer uh joke that you're like this is the whole like basis of my act and then there's silence and you're like i'm gonna just quit the business now i'm done yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: i have way too many of those moments in real life i don't need to do it in a pandemic <laughs>
0: All right. Well, for me, it's at Chad EMB on Twitter. It's at IB Exclusives on Instagram. Uh, one Mr. Garifo just got a follow about uh, 30 minutes ago. And I followed you back, my I friend. I saw while we were recording. <laughs> um, I'm trying to ex- uh, expand that platform from my sports memorabilia business, which you can find at IBExclusives.com. I have a couple wrestling signings up there as we speak and a big one that's going to be announced this week. So uh, please stay tuned to that. And all these podcasts are on TMPTEmpire.com. You can find everything we've got under the TMPT umbrella, including the Russo brand and the franchise Shane Douglas, the triple threat podcast. Every single week, it's the franchise's way, and we just follow him and we listen to what he's got to say, and every time he opens his mouth, it's something impactful. So check that out. And, of course, just like Kevin mentioned, eyes up here with the queen of extreme, Francine, patreon.com slash Francine podcast. Four shows a week. You will not be disappointed by any of them because I'm on there. So how could you uh, not be disappointed, right? Uh, so well, with all that being said We will say goodbye for today For the Shining Wizard himself Mr. Kevin Garifo This is your old buddy the Chadster We will catch you on the flip side Thanks for listening To the two man power trip of wrestling What the world Is downloading